Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of You Tweeted, You Mean Dead, You Tweeted, You Mean Dead, You Tweeted, You Mean Dead. So don't try to get out of it, You Tweeted, You Mean Dead. Welcome to the show, Tweeted. You mean that welcome to the show tweeted You mean that So don't try to get out of here Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of You Tweeted You Mean The Podcast I'm your host Lord Byron, also known as Byron Broussard A.K.A. Black Rocker on Twitter, Lord Black Rocker on Instagram I'm not just me.com is the website Today is You Tweeted, You Mean Did, episode 118 Fly, 118 Fly, um, we've got a podcast, we're using the same microphone as I used the last time, which has a very nice voice quality, um, but not as strong on the keyboard, pickup, snore, as strong on the keyboard pickups. Not as strong on the keyboard pickups, nor on the keyboard pickups. <laughs> I wanted to say the phone at one point, but I didn't. Anyway, this is uh, episode 118 Fly. We got the tarot deck. I realize um, saying tarot deck is like my thing I understand that it's tarot but you know you know like who cares we're all in a world of accents and accent marks um there were way more things we got tweets (laughs) um we got recordings Let's see if the Toth deck would like to say hello. Right now, the Logic, the program I record with, is doing the normal recording method where it's showing me... I shouldn't get into this, but it it usually doesn't do this. This is the norm where every time it gets to the end of the page... It refreshes, kind of, and I'm like, I'm seeing it as it's going, but like it almost never does that. It always leaves me at the beginning, and I just have to guess that it's still going because of the the thing on top that says it is still recording. But like now I can see it, and it's like I'm just looking at it. I'm just staring at the recording, like, oh no, am I talking too softly? I mean, I can see the voice things. They're usually bigger than that. No, that was a big one. I feel like I should turn my mic up. There we go, the mic is turned up a little bit more. We're not getting into the red at all, we're barely into the yellow. Barely into the yellow. I need to do more P's. Um, place, bound, pop, p, 
potato. Uh, potato is big. Potato. Pop. Potato. Potato pops. Pudding pops. <laughs> I don't know. This is, I guess this is a really good mic where it doesn't want to spike at all. Anyway, um, Alistair Crowley Toad Deck, how would you like to say hello? We flip an outward death. Trump card number 13, death. Which is like uh, the black skeleton doing the metal thing with his scythe. Very cool looking card. We started with uh, Orphans from Coldplay. I don't know how audible that was. My phone wasn't in front of the microphone. Actually, the mic is picking up that a little bit well. It's a little less than my voice, but it's not that far off. something and I was like wait a minute am I doing my own thing or am I playing something else that also is like a Coldplay song that I just listened to anyway um, he said hello to the Toth deck let's look at the tweets um, the tweets don't say anything but I have been writing so they're just word counts mostly, and word counts are cool. Let's see, we're going to my profile. We're gonna scroll down a little bit until we get to episode 117. Here we go. Yeah, I don't say much, but there are tweets. All right, we're going to start with uh, June 21st. Check out my latest podcast on Podbeam. You tweeted, you mean, did episode 117. Then we get an Instagram picture base. Then we have, I'm writing again and I have my motivation. I type that first bit in the search instead of in the place tweets go. I'm not used to Twitter yet. Ah, I was on Explore instead of Home. Now that's fixed. Back to bragging. I could do a run-through of something that I want to explore. Here we go. I could do a run-through of something I want to explore, but that would mean I had to read it on the podcast, and I'd rather type nonsense on purpose than accidentally. I'm not ready to be a Twitter noob and incoherent and also bad at what I do all at the same time. I was hinting at doing a short story, but it would be embarrassing twice if it was bad. Word count for today under the new motivation is 1,216. Pretty good for a comeback. Hashtag the day Billy fell off the cliff. Hashtag behind the scenes book on a book. If my other chapters weren't so long, I could kind of count this word count as a chapter. But I know for a fact that I will shove another thousand words in there before the chapter breaks. 
Word count for what I want to say is last night is 796. The day, hashtag the day Billy fell off the cliff, hashtag behind the scenes book on a book. That last almost 2,000 words were pretty fun dialogue type chapters, so it wasn't hard to type that many words in the story. The story itself didn't progress much, lol. Choreography through dialogue is very interesting. Now that I've stopped typing, I'm like, why did I stop typing? I just added 441 words to the word count, still in a place of fine dialogue and action. Actually, I'm quite sure I just finished that chapter. A nice ending line, too. Next chapter is more exploration and mystery before the big showdown. Note to self about the book. Time not being linear works so well due to the memory wipes and no communicating. Being immortal creates the, at least, personal linear time construct by ceasing the memory wipes. The growth in number of immortals creates an eventual ending destination. Instagram picture served, Instagram picture purchase. Uh, I just typed 529 words, tis a good word count. I'll probably come back to the story later on today. So I'll revise the word count, or maybe this isn't the word count. It's just an update on what I'm currently doing, IDK. Those are all of the tweets. Um, Note to self about the book part was uh, I really liked in the, the Land of Fire that there's like this this thing with time, like time doesn't exist, and that's because nobody has a coherent hold on time, but then immortals arise, so it's like, it's more of a linear structure from when you become immortal on, so it's like, Kind of like how, um, let's see, creating linear structures. I mean, like, it's kind of like how the people don't know how long they've been there because of memory wipes. But after you can't get your memory wiped, like, it's... (laughs) It's kind of like an initiation, you know, like initiation into being immortal and then time goes on from there. But like if the number increases of people who are immortal, then eventually the whole reality as a whole will need a destination even if the destination is they come back to getting their memories wiped. Like, one person with a linear timeline isn't a lot, you know? Like, they can be the historian if they want. But, like, a bunch of people with no memory wipes, they'll eventually figure out how to get out. Or how to change what is seemingly unchangeable is kind of kind of like a quantum theory type thing. Um, 
<laughs> see if I can connect it to any like weird quantum theories. Like the hundredth monkey. It is exactly like the hundredth monkey. Um, what's that one where where one figures out how to do something, like use a tool, and then eventually it's just in their genetic code to know how to use tools because the more of them figure it out, the more it's like, it's like a, it's like more of a thing in reality. It becomes more concrete, which reminds me of a book I'm reading um, called The Rise and Fall of Dodo. It might not be called that exactly. I want to look at the exact... What the fuck? I'm listening to an audiobook on audible.com. Not .com. Oh, excuse me. It is literally called The Rise and Fall of Dodo. A novel by Neil Stephenson and Nicole Gallagher. And this book is written by two people who don't usually do this style of book. I saw an interview where they talk about, like, they're usually writing history books and, like, I forget what the other guy writes. I don't know, but it's one of those stories that's written through correspondences. So a lot of it's like emails, a lot of it's like personal letters, there's some scrolls, (laughs) but it's all through correspondences between people. Like this person's corresponding to this, and it's like... Anyway, the story is about magic, Um, magic and time travel I don't know if it's more about magic or more about time travel I'm in the middle of it but right now it's more about time travel which is very cool Uh, if you've listened to other episodes we know how much I enjoy time travel um But in the beginning of this book, I'm not going to, like, I guess, I don't know. I feel like people who listen to this aren't going to, like, listen to the whole book of The Rise and Fall of Dodo. (laughs) They have very cool concepts, though, that I would like to talk about. The concept of how magic was lost is very cool, and how magic is done is very cool. It ties into the quantum, quantum sciences. Um, Trying to think of the linear structure to explain this. I guess beginning with how magic's done uh, is like summoning pretty much from parallel worlds. The witches who do magic are like adept 
at knowing how to reach into parallel worlds and bring something from there into the world that they're in. So it's like, that's pretty much what they do. (laughs) Kind of like quantum computers. I don't know. Main idea is bringing... Yeah, main idea is summoning. You can summon and you can send. It's like the basics of their magic. But to do the magic of reaching into parallel worlds and manipulating is the easiest way to say it. Manipulating parallel worlds is by having a quantum space. And like they're saying, like, magic disappeared in the 1700s or something like that. Maybe the 1800s. But like before that, quantum spaces were just like everywhere. Like a closed door, you know, like you go into a broom closet, it's a quantum space, you know, like if you're in a room with three people, that's a quantum space for those, for everyone involved because it's not, you know, the world's not in on it. Um, so that's the idea of magic being like open source because quantum spaces were everywhere. But then what clamped down on these quantum spaces and killed magic off is like the creation of photography. So in the book they talk about like there was a comet and some photographer took a picture of the comet and it brought the world together in like one quantum reality where everybody's seen this comet. So at that point, people are taking pictures and it's like they get locked away from all of the other parallel worlds because everybody's on like the same strand and they know that they're on the same strand because they could see the pictures from their past, you know. So like photography kills magic. But then they create a space kind of like the quantum computer where they have liquid, what is it, hydrogen or some shit that's, that makes the, uh, the uh, you know, freeze down to around zero degrees. And then the space inside of the zero degrees is the quantum space because it's isolated completely isolated and insulated uh, which is very scientific on how quantum computers work how the qubits are able to be uh, positive and negative at the same time they talk a lot about Schrodinger and the cat they talk about Schrodinger had a (laughs) he had like a portable box where he has a cat inside and it was able to be quantum. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very cool, 
very cool scientific shit going on in the rise and fall of Dodo. But then eventually they create a little box where they can put a witch in the box and she's able to do magic inside of the box in the little quantum space. And they figure out that they can do time travel from that box. All relating to the body itself is a quantum computer. Your body is an isolated structure in itself, or the brain at least. The brain's in total darkness. It is the quantum space. It doesn't have to be in like zero degrees or whatever. (laughs) Our body's a closed system. What is that called? A fucking... Um, I don't know what that shit's called. The organs and shit. I don't know. They have like insects that aren't closed systems where everything's just like flowing around each other and it's kind of like mushy. Anyway, with that uh, thought and shit, thoughts, ideas could in general be quantum enough to do magic and time travel but that's getting ahead of myself there's cool things with like strands and shit where they try to they try to change the future by manipulating the past and they have to do it on different realities (laughs) they have to do it multiple times on different realities for an effect in their reality so it's like they're doing like a shitload of work for like minimal effect, but they just keep trying and keep expanding the project for these minimal effects. And <laughs> they do so much work in this book for like, <laughs> oh man, it's really great. Um, the science of it's cool. Uh, There's also the idea of pictures killing magic, but now we're at a space where nobody really believes pictures anymore because we have Photoshop and we even have augmented reality, not just virtual reality, we have augmented reality, so it's like... I think we're back in a space where pictures don't matter anymore or we're getting back to that time where it's like, you know, like, yeah, we can all see the same picture, but do we believe that that is our reality or do we believe that someone manipulated the picture? It's pretty much what Trump does. Where he's like, everything is fake news. You know, it doesn't matter if he said it or not. He's like, somebody could have manipulated it. (laughs) Or nothing is true and everything's permitted uh, back to the quantum space of magic being alive. Which is a lot of fun. That's uh, my thesis statement on the rise and fall of Dodo. I'm on part three right now, and there's like five to six parts. I have no idea what they're going to get into. Um, I did the tweets. Oh, I have a stand-up recorded. Um, What I wanted to say about stand-up. Let's flip a card. 
Also, Crowley Toth Deck, what you think about the rise and fall of Dodo and the quantum and the pictures? We flip an outward indolence, number eight of cups. Cups are, of course, water. Waters are the emotions and emotional indolence from the rise and fall of Dodo. Stand-up's pretty cool. Um, we're doing online interface stand-up these days, which is kind of cool because I get to interact with comedians from around the globe. Excuse me, around the globe. Uh, I'm taking a liking to a New York mic, which happens every day. At like two times during the day. And those people are kind of cool. There's also this huge mic where they have like 40 people do three minutes each. Which is kind of fun. There are a shitload of open mics on the internet right now. And like a lot of people used to tell me that I needed to go to other places and like... You know, like, other people needed to hear my bits. And, like, now I'm able to connect with these people, these comedians from other places, and get quasi-recognition. I feel like I should fucking Google quasi because I don't know what that means. But I feel like it's the right word. Quasi-recognition. Combining form. Seemingly apparent, but not really. Being partially or almost. Okay. So that is pretty much it. It's, it's, you know, almost recognition, but it's not really recognition from these other comedians. And that's pretty fun. Oh, it's pretty fun because I was never going to travel with stand-up. <laughs> I'm not the type of person to be like, oh, yeah, let's go on a stand-up tour. Oh, yeah, let's go hit the open mics and try to book shows in other places. That is not me. I am very happy doing all of the open mics in New Orleans. Um, very much happy doing that. But now the open mics are online, and they're online for different states and shit. You gotta, like, fucking, what's it called? Work out the time changes. I learned Central, Pacific, and Eastern time zones. I'm like, oh, yeah, this one's like an hour ahead. This one's two hours behind. I feel like a fucking... (laughs) feel like an astronomer, like I'm fucking mapping the stars and shit, seeing the phases of the moon. I mean, that's not related to comedy, but that's just what I've been doing, standing around outside looking at Jupiter and... Jupiter and Neptune, I believe. Not Neptune. It's it's not Uranus either. 
Saturn. I think it's Jupiter and Saturn. I don't know. One of those. Jupiter is next to a planet. Actually, it's next to two planets right now. And it's always in like the same spot in the sky. I say always, but I've seen Venus be next to the moon for months, and now it's not next to the moon. And now the moon disappears for weeks out of the month. <laughs> and it's fucking, I don't know, mapping the stars is hard because the fucking year is wholly different. I guess seasons are wholly different is the real the real of it. Anyway, I guess after a year of watching the sky, I'll, I'll get used to like the, the patterns, but I doubt it. I'd have to store a lot in my memory of like, oh, this is where these stars used to be. And now they're over here for this season. During the summer, Venus is over here. It only comes out during the morning. <laughs> the procession of Venus What's that shit from Is that like a song or some shit It's probably like classical music It's not anything according to Google. House of the Procession of Venus? What's that? <laughs> it's a Getty Images thing? I know the Procession of Venus is a pentagram, but I thought the Procession of Venus was like a, a phrase. if it's like a secret pentagram group it's like some magicians or some shit we're in the house of the procession of Venus we study the pentagram and we we love the, the Baphomet whatever uh, it's apparently not a not a known phrase I really want to see, I want to see scientists come up with one of their CGI automated fucking computer generated, <laughs> with that CGI, isn't it? Computer generated. Um, cartoon, I want to see a friggin' thing of all of the stars moving from the viewpoint of a person on earth I want to see the sun the moon the fucking planets in real time fucking moving Because, I mean, like, I know, like, we're moving, or maybe it doesn't even have to be from the position of an Earth person, but, like, I know everything's moving, and each star has its own fucking orbit, and it has things orbiting it, 
So, like, why do the stars seem so freaking stationary day after day? The sun even has its own orbit, you know, 26,000 years. Actually, I think we came up upon the new year, not new year, the new orbit. Seven Bomar was talking about how it's it's like the 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 the, 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 the orbit birthday or some shit. I don't know what it it's not a year, so it's like I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I guess it's called the procession. We're coming up on the beginning of the procession of the twenty six thousand year procession. <laughs> Anyway, all that to say, I have stand-up recorded. And the stand-up I have recorded isn't anything special. It's me getting used to doing mics that are online. Starting on July 28th, we have three of them, July 28th, July 28th, and July 29th. Five minutes, three minutes, and six minutes. I ran the light for the six-minute one. the sound of me scratching my head.
that set was interesting. What I really liked about that set was not pausing for laughter. That was my favorite part where I really hit the punchline. And then I'll finally be clean and just completely went into my next bit. <laughs> like, it seemed like I was, from a, if I, that was my first time hearing that bit. Like, it seemed like very meandering and like, oh, maybe he's trying to hit at some weird scientific thing where he's like talking about judgments and alternate realities. Now he's meta because he's talking about doing the bit itself. But then the penance, if I do these jokes, I'll finally be clean. You guys ever ask yourself a question? (laughs) It's like getting to the payoff and then not caring. That was very funny. That was very Zoom-esque, internet-worthy. And really, I, I don't feel like that set was working on anything. I've already, I mean, that bit is already worked out. I've done it in front of many crowds. So it's not like I've accomplished anything. It's just like I've told comedians that bit just now, you know. Well, I mean, recording it gives it extra life because I play it here. But in that moment, there was nothing gained other than figuring out how to sell, how to say bits on the Internet open mic. Alistair Crowley Toth Deck, what did you think about that set? We flip an outward Queen of Wands. Wands are, of course, fire. Fire is the intent, creative energy, the intent. Queen of Wands. Now we're going to delete that shit. Delete. I was recently talking to one of my comedian friends and they were talking about like how during a three minute set, like they can get more laughs than I do. But he's like, the more time they give, like the funnier I get. The more time I have to meander, the more funny my um, my standup is. And I found that to be pretty true. Like, I I can't really think of bits I can do in three minutes that's, like, anything special or, like, particularly funny. We have a three-minute set coming up right now. Actually, let me change some shit. You guys are paleo diet. Paleo is uh, pretty big in the West, you know. 
three minute set which in my opinion should have been more funny for new time people hearing that bit like your first time for hearing that I mean I did rush through it but like That's uh, that's top tier bits right there. I even added a new part of good connotation names for bad people, pointing out the good old boys, um, which is like, why? <laughs> what are we doing with our lives where we call those people the good old boys? But also... I liked that I got a little offensive at the end, and I was like, "What? Am I being too racist?" Um, you ever hear two dogs having makeup sex? And it's just like, oh, are "These bits too deep." Um, <laughs> this is this that is comedy right there. That's 
legitimately what comedy is. You take a thing and you're like, what is this? Why are we doing this as a people? Why is this person the grand wizard? And why aren't we stripping the name off of this person? We'll tear literal statues down, but we won't strip this guy of his cool ass name. <laughs> you know, and then taking that idea to his, its extremes. That was literally a good bit, a good set that was. Um, it was. It bombed. A good set that bombed in comedy terms. I even was accidentally um, muted or kicked out at the end of it. Sometimes I feel like I talk about things that are too prescient. Prescient, that's another Google term. My ear just started ringing. Prescient, having or showing knowledge of events before they take place. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about seeing things before they happen. I'm talking about shit that's too heavy. Not a foreknowledge, but like pressing, I guess, would be the, the real term. This is too pressing of an of a topic. But then they have people who will talk about how white people suck, you know, and like that's all the rave right now. You know, we got these social uprisings and everybody's like, white people are the worst. And as for comedians online, talking about how white people suck to a group of mostly white people. That sounds like it should be more heavy and like pressing than me making fun of the Grand Wizard, which I mean like, as a white person, at least you can distance yourself from the KKK. It's harder to distance yourself from your skin color than it is a racist organization, you know? <laughs> But still in all, it's like, what is this dude talking about? You know, is he talking about? It's like you can't get offended unless you're in the KKK. <laughs> or unless you just really love wizards and me bringing up that there's a high-level racist organization member who claims to be a wizard is... Offensive. I don't know. I don't know. I have heavy jokes, but that one's not a heavy joke. But it was treated as such. And it was also treated as such on a, a television taping that I felt I should have gotten 
well, no, I don't feel like I should be on TV. So that was a, that was a whole thing. But that was very fun when the backyard, not the backyard, what's it called? Um, the name of that show was something like House Party. It was on Vice. I can Google it, Vice Show. Flophouse. Flophouse came to New Orleans and one of the the cool comedians in New Orleans who does backyard shows was featured and they recorded the whole show for like television and they only picked a few sets to play. But during the recording, I did it in my set about the Grand Wizard and it was one of the first times I did that bit. And I talked about the, oh, that was the first time I came up with the pointiness of their hats. <laughs> and that's like the funniest part of that bit. <laughs> I was like, I hope this gets on television, fuck the Grand Wizard. But it did not get on television. <laughs> I guess they don't want Grand Wizard smoke. Which I mean, you know, if you really think the guy's a magician, then I guess, you know, it'd be a little bit scary. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the first time I was... I also mentioned there should be a black Grand Wizard and he should have mixed tapes. Uh, that bit goes really far into magic and racism, what it is, what it isn't, how they're similar, how they're different. But I didn't go that heavy. I didn't get that heavy because I only had three minutes. In other words, Toth Deck, what do you think about that set? <laughs> Gonna do a little bit of horrible shuffling. Also, probably Toth Deck, what do you think about that set? We're looking outward. The Fool, number zero. Trump card number zero, The Fool. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. That makes me think, you know, like these times there are protests, but it's like, it doesn't feel like the people protesting are protesting the correct thing. You know, it's, it feels like a bunch of people who are at the beginning of a journey, but they're just like very mad at the path. It's like they're standing before the opening in the gate, and they're like, this gate is fucked. But it's like, you know, like, it's not the gate. <laughs> it's some shit that's further down the path. I mean, like, you can march around the gate, but it's, it's not going to change the path. 
you know, you can get mad at white people, but why aren't we mad at the KKK and the weird societies? You know, the KKK isn't even a secret society, so that should be like baby steps. That's like right on the other side of the gate, but they're like, now the gate. mad at police people hmm, whatever there are black police people <laughs> the last set is six minutes I ran the light I don't remember which bits I do um, I'm pretty sure this was a very fun one though I bring reference to what I'm doing in the moment. It felt almost like an actual set.
me feel like the way I whispered that set it made me feel like I'm like it was like a show off like it's like oh I could be on television look at this bit look at this <laughs> this is a circle bit <laughs> talking about the shit ghosts that's a very good concept bit that of course can be stretched out more um, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me do that on stages in front of crowds where I talk about, like, oh, I thought I was going to meet gods. No gods wanted to meet me. I ruined my relationship with gods. That bit has very, very cool caveats. That was one of the heavier ones. But still funny. Supposedly heavier than a 
the Grand Wizard bit, but it's also to the betterment of humanity. It's saying like, oh, we're making immortal people. We're doing something good with our boring ass ghosts and people who are <laughs> people who can't do shit for themselves and have no ambition to do shit for themselves. Maybe they'll save the world, the spiritual world. Because they're just so over it. They're just so over everything. Which brings me to my dream. Uh, that was the last bit. Uh, I guess we should flip for it. Flip a coin and see if it's good or not. Heads, it's good. Tails, it's bad. JK It was fun either way But that one again It felt like showing off It didn't feel like I was Bettering my stand up I wasn't doing any new New bits Although I did do a new bit Piss snapping Piss snapping is my newest bit where it sounds like kidnapping, but I'm really, I'm taking my urine hostage, so it's piss-snapping. Taking my urine hostage in order to take a nap. Uh, and I'm here explaining the bit again. That's literally gonna be the whole bit, is me just explaining how piss-snapping is the coolest pun I've ever come up with. <laughs> It's like it literally explains itself. Piss napping, but like piss napping, but like <laughs> but like a nap, but like you're in hostage piss napping, but like <laughs> And it kinda sounded like black nap got a little bit of a laugh. Black nap. I need to to think of more words that, that are bad because they have the word black in front of them, then it'll be more understood what I'm trying to say. And then piss napping might hit harder. I don't know, coherence brings more funny. Unlike a lot of my bits where coherence does not bring more funny, the idea that I'm incoherent coherently is what's funny. <laughs> Speaking the Queen's English, but very incoherently until I get to the punchline and then it's like, oh, okay. You gotta hear it twice because it does make sense, but it makes sense in a weird way. Mr. Crowley Tothak, what'd you think about that set? We get another outward night of discs. The night of discs. Discs, of course, are the earth. The earth, the physical. The physical, the body, the earth. The night of discs. I had a dream. <laughs> I'm not 
uh, apt to having nightmares. Um, nightmares are not something I do. Um, we're an hour 11 minutes in. Not bad, not bad. So, like, I almost never have nightmares these days, but, like, I'm trying to think of the other one I had that was kind of iffy, but I can't remember that one. But, like, these, oh, it was like a question. It was, it was like a mystery. The one where it was like, this is almost a nightmare. Because it was like I had to solve a fucking mystery. But like the, the one that happened last night was more on the line of I've literally had a nightmare in this space before where it was like a drug deal. For some reason, I traveled to a place, went inside of this apartment of these drug dealers and like had a weird, weird uh, meeting, I guess. And they had pit bulls. But so the last night it was the same apartment, I'm guessing same drug dealers. But there was this part where I was like, more feeling things is very, very emotional instead of conversational where I've recognized where I was. And then they kind of recognized who I was. At one point, there was like a revenge plot. I was, I thought like, didn't you used to have dogs? And they were like, we used to, but we don't because of you type shit. Now we have a lion. And I was like, oh, look at this lion. <laughs> They kind of, like, tried to sick a lion on me, and I was like, oh, this is very cool. So this is, it's like the idea of the only reason it was not a nightmare is because I held my own. And let's see, there was that. I'm not going to talk about it in the coherent way that it actually happened because hearing someone describe their dream is dumb. So, much like one of the dreams that I incorporated into my tweets and am going to put in my second book, which takes place in the dream realm, uh, the black faction, the black faction, um, when I was figuring out beetle wings and anti-gravity shit uh, <laughs> where I was flying a lot teaching people how to fly in the dream space and they had the henchmen and the, the idea that the henchmen are too low level all of that happened in this dream also where the drug dealers were too low level to affect me so they brought in their boss, and before the boss came in, they were like, don't talk. Just sit there, don't talk. Uh, pretend like you're driving, which I remember that 
because it was like very like what pretend like you're driving what does that mean <laughs> but like the boss came in and like I saw the back of the head and it was very ominous because the people who were trying to be ominous were scared of that person but then like I've I had a spike of fear pass through me which the dream reacted to and I'm very sensitive to that I mentioned the drugs. Um, if you've taken the ayahuasca and have daydreamed or any altering drug where you daydream, you'll realize like everything you do changes what you see. Like every, if you feel something, you'll see something different. You know, if you say something in your mind, some shit will change. So I'm very sensitive to that already. I noticed, they noticed my fear, my fear went away, but then I confronted the boss after they were like, what's going on? There was fear, where'd the fear go? And then I was like in this position of, oh shit, this is, this is like the, the quantum shit that I, <laughs> when I want recognition, recognition, has the pole of um, ridicule. Um, so like if I'm fighting for recognition, eventually the pole swing will end up in ridicule. The, the pole of fear is love. So it went um, spike of fear, um, recognizing the fear and then the pull of recognition, uh, ridicule. I tried to stop the swing of ridicule because I didn't want to laugh at their boss. Like, you know, like the drug dealer's boss. <laughs> so I went into respect. But then they showed the pull of their fear was love. The boss had like this wife who was a trans person. And like, it was this black dude in a dress. And uh, it was like, the fear was, if you, it's like, if you cross the boss, you might end up a black dude in the dress. And once again, I am very progressive. I didn't ridicule or <laughs> or fear that. Um, I just kind of saw it and I took it in. Uh, and at that point, the lion came out because it was like the pole swing from fear to love. So the drug dealers felt they can move around the cabin. They didn't have to be all silent and ominous anymore. So they were like, well, now look at this lion. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like whatever. So like at that point, at that point I got bigger than the situation I was in, which happens 
Uh, I talk about labyrinths a lot. Um, as a person who understands labyrinths, I paradox and I get bigger than the, the box itself. Um, I also have jokes about that, about people who say you can't do shit, like you can't imagine the universe. There's a word for it. It's the universe. It's in a box. You know, like... So I, I got too big for the dream, but I was still being respectful. And I think it put a weird wave out there. And then like these, <laughs> I've been watching a show, I've been watching shows where people are from bureaus, where it's pretty much just suity people. People in suits came. So these people in suits arrived, which is like, I guess would be, if there was a hierarchy, it would be higher than the boss, the drug dealer's boss. So it's people that they feared showed up. And then I, I kind of was interested in the suit people so I confronted one of them, and we did like a little martial art sparring, which was very fun. I learned some shit from them, which is like some shit I do also. I can't stop learning, or like learning is just like ingrained to where any situation I'm in, I can like fucking learn some shit from it. But at one point they were talking about being a natural versus being learned. And I think the two people, there were three people in suits. Two of them were learned. One of them was natural. And I decided to do some hand-to-hand martial arts with the natural and the learned people were like he he hasn't even learned time travel oh wait there was also a part oh man that reminds me of a part where before the boss showed his face where I was supposed to be oh the spike of fear the spike of fear before the love I was about to fall asleep in the dream And they told me not to fall asleep, so I woke up. But, like, (laughs) just in, like, the opposite pole swing. Like, it's not literally, but I think, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. But I was pretty much like, don't fall asleep or watch me wake up. And so, like, I, I guess I brought more of my awareness into that space which is kind of how the love swing happened in the black man in the dress. Um, Because it was kind of like out of place. It didn't exactly happen in the same space and time. Anyway, um, okay, so they told me I didn't learn time travel yet. Then I do this hand-to-hand combat with the guy who's blocking my every move. There's a dude in a gray suit, and he was just like, I would like try, try to like 
land a blow and with every attempt there was a block and his partners were talking about some shit and then eventually I was like oh shit like you're you're able to move like this in this space because of confidence it's part of my learning I realized oh wait confidence is the not the motivator or the key, but it's like the confidence is like the fuel. If you very confident, you could do like whatever in the dream space. Confidence is lucidity, you know, like. But I kind of already knew that, but it was just like I remembered in the dream I was like oh shit this person moves in confidence and I was like respect we stopped sparring but then after that I did this weird thing where I tricked the people in suits into thinking I had left um, because they mentioned time travel so I was like okay I'm gonna do some shit but like for me, time travel is very low vibration. Uh, I've mentioned that on this podcast a lot. Um, when talking about labyrinths, um, uh, time travel is what you do when you have like when you're already low. I guess I don't know, but pretty much I just shrunk myself into only awareness um, and like. At a certain point, I almost time-traveled because I was like, how did I get here? And then I remembered the dream during the dream. But then I was just an awareness in the room, and I watched them be like, oh, shit, he time-traveled. Like, I thought he didn't know how to do that. He's also a natural. And they kind of, like, walk out of the room. And I watched them walk out of the room before I walked out myself. And then kind of woke up. And it was a very... It was not a nightmare, only in the fact that I handled myself the way I did with a weird confidence and assurance that I... I don't know. A part of me wishes I could teach how to be confident in yourself a part of me felt like I wanted to transcribe the dream as soon as it happened, but like, I know energies are energies, you know, like everything in the dream is the dreamer itself, but also the dream space, it can be connected to other shit especially if the person believes they're connected to other shit. So it's like, I didn't, once again, respect. I didn't want to disrespect my dream by being like, oh, I just outsmarted the dream police. Like, fuck you, dream police. (laughs) But also, (laughs) I felt like it had to be documented. Like, you know, it's not impossible Um, the dream was very fun. 
learning experience. I went to sleep a lot after that and uh, had dreams and resorts next to pools and like good company, good conversations. It felt like it felt like somehow I got on a low vibration and a vibration that I had been to before, like they recognized me there and they wanted revenge, but also I had outgrown that vibration a long time ago. And it brought up the feelings of predator versus prey again, Um, like me being, being so relaxed all the time, looking like someone you can prey on is kind of how I hunt for people who prey on other people, but that just makes me a predator. (laughs) But, like, if I didn't have the respect outlook throughout the whole thing, I would have been predator in that moment you know and maybe that relates to zoom mics where I should be like more like oh I'm an amazing comedian don't let me sit here pretend like I'm not an amazing comedian with hours worth of material (laughs) Just doing these three minutes, three minute increments. Maybe I should be less prey so I don't become a predator. Who knows? You know, like what else in life do I look like a prey in? What else in life? (laughs) Aspects of confidence. I'm not going to put that in my book, definitely, but I like the idea of dream police. I like the idea of sparks of emotions um, bringing in these people who are like... I don't know what they would have done or what they did to the drug dealer people. There was one part where I was like, oh, let me let me grab the objective before leaving always and always. That was some shit I used to say. <laughs> when you enter a labyrinth, make sure you remember the objective. And there was like the drugs on the floor, which looked like fucking fruit roll-up, but, like, fucking uh, the sour fruit roll-up with, like, the weird sour crystals on it. And I was like, wait a minute, I should pick this up and pretend like I left. And that was when I shrunk to just awareness, which is pretty cool. But always and always, it's it's a fucking legit shit. Don't forget the objective.
yeah, that's definitely not going in the book, but the, the police peoples were cool. And respect all around, you know. Being a natural, very interesting. about it as far as things that I would like to record usually I guess music would be in order there's a new Marilyn Manson song about chaos Google just sent me a, a news story about Hannibal. I'm pretty sure that show isn't in production anymore, so I don't know what could be newsworthy about it. It is my favorite show, though. Oh, shit. Could Hannibal season four happen at Netflix? Here's what Brian Fuller says. I'm pretty sure Hannibal's having a good run on Netflix, and that's why they're thinking of it. They also did that with Lucifer, which was top-tier show. They gave Lucifer a new season on Netflix, and there should be another one coming out soon. I forget where Hannibal left off, though. I know they figured out he's Hannibal, but I don't know what they did after that <laughs> um, new music new stories flipping the card me. That was pretty disgusting. But it's just a bodily function. Gonna do some shuffling. Putting the cards into the cards. A little death fell out.
Vince to Crowley Tothag, what did you think about them dreams? We get an internal victory. Victory is six of wands. Um, the wands are the fire. Fire is the intent. Intended victory, six of wands. That's what we think about those dreams. We could end on spiritual warfare, I guess. Spiritual warfare has been like a hot topic these days. People believe. I mentioned the quarantine. Cat's out of the bag. There's a quarantine happening. In the stand-up, I mentioned quarantine. That was the only time I've mentioned it on this podcast, other than just now. People are bringing up spiritual warfare in reference to what people are quarantining from. And the uprising and the, the white people hate um, the <laughs> protests from police violence. This is like a bunch of people is a bunch of people going through similar things at the similar times. Which should be more of a unifier than a def- what was was divi- divisor should be more of a unifier than a divisor but people have figured out a way to put division into everything i thought the univisor would be like some alien shit but now the government has talked about how aliens are are declassified information and no one cares there's a comet that passed no one cares about shit not unified at least not unified like this quarantine of a worldwide um, persuasion, a world of persuasion. Spiritual warfare, anyway, still relevant. You fighting yourself. Are you unified? Are you in the unity code? Or can you be devised, divided, internally divided? Let's find out. Spiritual warfare, a.k.a. tarot card battle. That's right. Spiritual warfare, get yourself a tarot deck. Uh, We play for soul. You shuffle your cards, and if you think you win, then you win. Use the cards to your advantage to prove to yourself that you do, in fact, win. And if you think you do, then you do. 
quantum, baby. Yeah. Quantum in your head space. In your heart space, in your head space. We got a shitload of quantum. What's it called? Quantum boxes. Quantum systems. Enclosed systems. All right, we're going to do three turns. Shuffle to shuffle to shuffle to shuffle to one, two, three, flip. I flip Prince of Cups. Prince of Cups. Cups of Water Emotion. Um, he's riding a huge bird. Uh, a bird chariot. And he's got a snake and a bow. Yeah, a lot of birds and snakes. What do we do with the Prince of Cups? Um, with the Prince of Cups, I make you pity me until you give me your soul. I'm so pitiful, I need it. I need it. <laughs> All right, next flip. Shuffle to shuffle. The shuffle, the shuffle. One, two, three, flip. I get the Ace of Cups. Oh my goodness. More cups. Oh wait, this one has a number at least. Ace of Cups is the One of Cups. Um, one, a very low number. So let's see, what do we do with the Ace of Cups? Um, I say it'll make you... Um, It'll give you emotional bliss to give me our soul. The Ace of Cups is a very blissful looking. It would be your pleasure, emotionally. All right, last round. Shuffle, shuffle. And the one, two, three, flip. Science, six of swords. Aha, now we're cooking. With the science, the swords are the wind. The wind is intelligence. The intelligence of science. What do we do with this? Hmm, intelligence. Science. I scratched my head. I really don't know how science can trick someone. <laughs> I guess since I have the Six of Wands science, I'll hold science hostage in return for a soul. I'll say science will make no sense unless you're soulless. Haha. Good game, fellow sir. I hope you fairly well. Um, win as much as you would like throughout these episodes. Um, lose as much as you'd like throughout these episodes. Just know you're playing with yourself. Masturbation. Um, 
This has been You Tweeted, You Meaned It, episode 118 Fly. I am your host, Byron Broussard, also known as Lord Byron, a.k.a. Black Rocker on Twitter, Lord Black Rocker on Instagram. I'm not just me.com. That's been a whole episode, and of course, we all know the ending moniker. Uh, you can't end like that. 